What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Bird Talk, where we talk about wild birds, bird dogs, and everything upland. In this episode, I want to get into some of the things that have gone completely wrong in the field, call them mistakes, failures, the blooper highlight reel. And ironically, this is actually the second time recording this show. I had some technical difficulties while exporting the file for the first show and ended up losing it. And I just thought it was kind of funny that we had an issue with the show where I talk about where things go wrong. So lo and behold, something goes wrong with the show as well. So we're back for round two now to give it another go. And I'm going to kick this show off with a refreshing sound effect. The infamous, sometimes controversial, opening a beer into the mic. Love it, hate it, it is what it is. And a quick side note about myself, I like beer, I like having a good time. So I'm just trying to set the mood for this show. It's going to be a lighthearted fun show to do and I figured a cold beverage would pair great with this one. So what I'm drinking this afternoon, it's called Laughing Fish by Upper Hand Brewery. They are a microbrewery, craft brewery, whatever you want to call it, snooty beer if that's what your preferred term is and they are out of the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. I've had some of their beer before in the past. I enjoy it. I like it. This is one of their ales that they produce. It's actually called a Northern Golden Ale. And so I walked into the beer store the other night to pick up uh, something. And that day it was hot. I'd been thinking about grouse hunting a little bit, thinking about getting back up north and chasing birds, running dogs, and was just feeling like I was ready for the season to come. And I walked into the store, looked up in the cooler, and I saw the little UP sign sitting there on the rack uh, on the case of this. And I was like, yep, that's it. That's what sold me right there. Uh, thinking about the UP, going up grouse hunting, and being up north in Michigan. So I just felt that this beer would be a nice ode to that. So picked it up, went over to the cashier, checked out, and you know, you, you buy a case of beer like this and you know, you're paying a premium price, right? You're not buying like a Bud Light or something like that. So usually it's a little bit more expensive. So I was thinking like $9.99, $10.99, something like that for a six pack. Cashier rings it up. $15. And I'm like, holy shit, I could buy an 18 pack of PBR for that. But it is what it is. It's a good beer. I enjoy, I enjoy supporting business here in Michigan. And yeah, it was just fitting for the mood. So I'm finishing off the six pack here on the show tonight and just ready to have a good time and talk about some birds and more importantly, talk about some of the mistakes and things that's gone wrong in the field. Definitely, I've had my share of flubs, things that have not worked out perfectly. And I think on social media these days especially, and I know I'm for sure guilty of doing this, you just talk about the good things. It seems like all you see and hear is about how the perfect, perfectly steady dog that stood there broke while you walked from 300 yards away, you approached, a covey of birds gets up, flies perfectly away, shoulder your gun, drop two birds on the rise like it's nothing, and your dog makes a picture-perfect retrieve to hand. But... While that does happen, certainly there's also a lot of times where things just kind of fall apart and things turn to shit and they don't turn out how you were hoping it was going to turn out. 
and that's definitely part of hunting it's definitely part of the game we play so I would just wanted to share some of the things that have I've experienced personally in the field that have gone wrong including you know guns jamming dogs running off missing birds lost birds dogs not working perfectly me mishandling my dog just all the things that go wrong when we're out hunting so yeah cheers to that cheers to going into july getting back out to going hunting again i hope you're excited as i am so yeah let's go ahead and get into this man so i'm going to start off a story and this is actually a couple stories where i had some issues with my gun jamming now i know the double barrel crowd is going to kind of laugh at me a little bit here. I know I'm a, I'm a degenerate that shoots an auto loader, sprays lead everywhere and leaves a trail of hulls behind me. So I, I, what I shoot is a Weatherby element deluxe. I enjoy shooting it. It's a gun that fits me well and I shoot it well. And that's why I enjoy shooting it is because I shoot the gun. Well, I have a couple of, uh, other double barrel guns, not knocking them. I enjoy shooting them as well, but my personal preference when I pick up a gun is usually this Weatherby just because it fits me well, it swings smoothly for me. And I just overall enjoy shooting it and I shoot it well. And it's an inertia driven gun, which if you don't know what an inertia driven is, uh, it means it doesn't, it's not a gas powered. So the, the shell shooting itself in the gun is what ejects it out. It's not gas powered, no springs, anything like that. It's always performed flawlessly for me. I've shot a lot of rounds through it, have had great success with pretty much everything I've put through it except for one stinking round. There's one round that I've had an issue with, and the issue came about on opening day of pheasant season, perfect timing, here in Michigan a couple years ago. And it was opening day, October 20th, just got out there for the morning, beautiful morning. This is like the type of day that you dream about for seasons and this is what you dream about all year long a day like this you know sun's coming up it's cool a nice breeze it's not hot it's not raining a little bit of moisture on the ground and yeah we just gotta hopefully find some birds that cooperate so we walk the first field i'm hunting with my dad hunting with a buddy as well kick up a few hens my dad ends up shooting a rooster off to a great start this morning and we keep going. Uh, had a little bit of a dry spell after that. And finally, we get to another field. We go ahead. We start working into it. And my dog circles back around from me. He goes on point. I wasn't exactly sure if he was on point at this time. It was tall grass. I couldn't really see him. I was just watching him on the GPS. And he didn't really look like he was, you know trailing something it just can't seemed like he was maybe farting around back there so anyways i turn go back to him get to him and just looking at him he wasn't going acting super birdie but he was definitely working something nose to the ground something uh, come on dude are you, you joshing me here are you mousing or something are you is there deer scent so I kind of just shrugged it off and turned and left and I started calling him back and I got a little few steps away from him and he goes on point again. So I turn back around, take two steps and a rooster just rockets straight out of the grass. Beautiful crossing shot, kind of caught me by surprise get the gun up, start swinging on it, and I shot just a touch too early. 
on this bird. I should have just, you know, calmed my nerves, got myself better under control, and really aimed at the bird nicely, but I just pulled up quickly, started swinging, and pulled the trigger. And this bird was moving. A lot of times with pheasants, sometimes they just get up like a loaf of bread out of the grass, but every once in a while you'll catch one that just hits the wind just right and really takes off. And this is one of those situations. This bird rocketed out of there, and I was just behind it on the first shot. I should have been just a little bit more patient on the shot, but anyways, I missed. I'd catch up pull the bead out in front of the bird for the second shot and click no shot and I'm going what the hell so I look down at the gun and the shell did not fully eject out of the receiver and so I said a few nice choice words and if you're if you're a Michigan pheasant hunter you will or a place where pheasants are not like a prevailing huge game bird anymore like they used to be back in the day and you get limited opportunities you'll definitely feel my pain on this one it's stung you know to have an opportunity at a bird like that and and miss it so yeah I was definitely feeling the pain of missing that bird so straight up it sucked and so I said a few choice words looked down at my gun and I was like oh my gosh it jammed jammed on the shot so right now I'm sure all the double barrel folks are laughing and say, yup, we never have that problem. But anyways, so I, I unjammed the gun and I was like, well, I, I guess I'll keep moving on. I actually then shot off two more rounds just to see if the gun would, you know, do the same thing over again. And the next two shots, it was flawless. So we continue hunting and we go we keep going on our hunt for the rest of the day. Uh, didn't see a whole lot until the afternoon. I'm hunting by myself now, and my dog starts trailing and working something again. And now we're like 20 minutes into this trail where my dog has been trailing this bird, and I'm getting sick of tired of it because he the bird's running circles around us, and my dog can't get it pinned down. So I'm getting frustrated. I know my dog's got to be a little frustrated. So I'm like, dude, come on. Let's just this bird is winning. I'm sick of this. We're getting our asses beat here. So let's just move on. So I'm trying to heckle my dog, calm off this bird. And just when I was about to turn around and say, let's go for the last time, dog goes on point. So I circle up to him. I can tell he's really intense, got a nice point. So I take a few steps out in front of him and a rooster explodes at my feet, gets up, flies perfectly straight away shot just on the rise take the first shot the bird drops and then so i'm hooting and hollering i'm excited pumped up it's been a long day of hunting and it felt good to finally get a rooster down especially after that missed opportunity earlier so i looked down at the gun and what didn't you know it's jammed again it did not fully eject the shell and so luckily this time i hit the bird on the first shot though but again my gun jammed and I'm sitting there going why the heck is this doing this I've never had this issue before with anything that I've shot through this gun whether it be Remington's uh, Winchester's Fiocchi's uh, and this was a high brass high velocity high velocity number six shot so I figured that it would have had enough powder to really set the gun back to discharge the shell properly but here's the thing 
And I still to this day blame my dad for this. You know, of course, can't take ownership myself because I miss the bird. I'm blaming my, it's just a ha 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 thing I like to, you know, bust my dad's balls about. So my dad, the previous Christmas, gave me a box of shells, a few boxes of shells. And one of these boxes of shells was high brass, number six, high velocities. And I can't exactly think of the brand that they are. But I noticed that it was an off-brand shell, something I had never heard of before. I think it's called like Aguilar or something like that. So fast forward a few months uh, to next October, it's pheasant season. I'm like, yeah, I got this box of sixes, high brass, high velocity. I'll shoot those out of my gun for pheasant season. Of course, I never, you know, had shot the round before to see if I just figured it would cycle and everything would work, just like everything else I put through the gun. So we go out that day, and of course, I had a jam and then another jam, and one of the jams ended up costing me a bird. So I, I, I still to this day laugh about it with my dad, and I bust his balls a little bit sometimes and say, yep, you cost me that, that rooster opening morning that day, and, you know, we get a good kick out of it. So what's funny about this as well is it also happened a third time to me where the gun jammed and it wasn't by design because I wasn't planning on hunting with that gun that day exactly. I ended up, I was planning on hunting with a Winchester Model 12 and I'll, I'll get into the story here in a second but just to set the picture a little bit it was December 30th, 31st, something like that very end of bird season here in Michigan. Season closes on January 1st, and it was going to be my last hunt of the year. So I wanted to take my younger dog, Ember, out, see if we could find a couple pheasants for the day in the afternoon, and I had a spot in mind that was going to be easy to run, and there was a good chance that we were going to run into a bird. And that previous July, I lost an uncle, my Uncle Dave. He passed unexpectedly and after he passed the family was kind of divvying up some of his stuff some of the things that he had giving it to family members whoever wanted what and so we were all over at their place that day divvying up stuff and there was one thing left on the table and it was this Winchester Model 12 pump gun and everybody kind of looked at it and was like eh I don't really have any use for it so I was looking at it and I was going you know what that might be kind of cool. If I could take that gun, I might be able to hunt with it from time to time or, you know, have an opportunity where I could use it or at least just have the gun, keep it in the family, keep it in my arsenal. I just thought it would be a cool piece to have. So I ended up with this Model 12 pump gun, and I'm not familiar with this gun. I'm not familiar with older style guns, and I'm not really a huge gun nut myself. I just pick up a gun load it, pull the trigger, and shoot birds. That's about the extent of it. I, I'm not a huge gun fanatic. I don't get into the crazy different types of you know high-end guns, and it's just not really what gets my rocks off. But what I do like about guns is history, and this gun definitely has a lot of history to it. It's pretty worn down, scratches on it. You can tell that it's definitely been put through the ringer in the day and that's what I enjoy about this gun is just thinking about the stories that it could tell if it could talk you know I'd be a great host to bring on here for bird talk one day and you set set a mic up next to it if it could talk and listen to some of the stories I know I would definitely enjoy that and I think a lot of people would enjoy hearing some of the stories that their old gun could tell 
And so to me, that's the draw of this gun and what I enjoy about it. So I had an opportunity to finally take it hunting at the end of December and I was planning on using it that day, got out to the spot and I didn't really, I hadn't shot or fired the gun yet, or, or I'm sorry, I, I had fired the gun. I loaded one round in the chamber, shot it just to make sure it cycled and everything was good. But what I did not do was try loading other shells into the gun. And if you're familiar with these older style pump guns, you know that there's just a little bit of a different trick to loading the, the shells into the tube or the magazine versus your modern day uh, pumps or auto loaders. So me, I pull out this gun from the case. I'm excited to use it. We're at the first spot. It's a nice afternoon to go hunting, overcast, cool, snow on the ground. Good, good day to go pheasant hunting. So I'm excited pumped up going to be using this gun so put one shell in the chamber rack it shut and I go to start putting the shells up into the tube I flip it over go to start putting the shells into the tube on the bottom put the first one in and the shell didn't stick up in the tube it shot back out into the bottom of the receiver so I'm going what that's not right that shell sort of you know caught on something and stuck up in the tube so I could, you know, push another one up in there. But I couldn't because the shell had kicked back out and was blocking the opened end of the bottom of the receiver where you would put the next shell in. So I'm going, what the heck? This isn't right. Like this gun is screwed up or something, you know, but little old me didn't really realize that that's, yes, that's how the gun actually works because I didn't do my research on the gun. I didn't fully figure out how exactly it worked. I just assumed that you would load it up there and the shells would stay up in the tube. I figured this out on a later date after I got home and looked up how to properly load the gun and realized, oh, geez, the gun isn't broken. It's just me being a dumbass and not knowing what I'm doing. So, Anyways, I brought a backup gun that day. It happened to be my Weatherby, my autoloader. But what I did not do that day is bring a backup box of shells. I had planned on shooting the off-brand, what's called Aguilar or whatever it is, those shells. That's what I planned on shooting out of the pump because I was like, well, I don't have to worry about the shell not ejecting because I'm just shucking, shucking it out myself. This is perfect, perfect shells to use in this gun. But I couldn't use the gun. I thought it was broken, and I didn't want to take the chance using it. So I put it back in the case, and I pulled my autoloader out. And what do I only have to shoot out of my autoloader? The shells that it doesn't like and the shells that jam in it. So I said, well, I guess this is all we got, so we're going to go for it. So I loaded up the gun, uh, set the dog loose, and we started working down this cut bean field and there's a bumper strip that runs around this bean field and we get to the back corner it's some crp some Fragmites, and some willows and scrub brush that's back in there i circle around to the back side of it my dog ember is working through the middle of all this thick stuff all this brush and she goes on pointing there so i start cutting towards her circle around in front and just when I get about out to the corner of the field, I hear wings flapping, hitting brush, hitting all the Fragmites in there, trying to take flight. And the bird was struggling to get up because it was so thick in there. And I'm going, oh crap, bird's getting up. 
And just as when I can see it taking flight, I realize it's a rooster, shoulder the gun. I'm trying to, I'm in, standing in a, set the picture here a little bit more. It's really thick in here. It's not just open grass field that I'm in. It's basically kind of like rough grouse hunting where I'm at. I'm in stuff that's 10 feet tall, brush, willows. So I'm trying to get the gun up, trying to swing. And I couldn't swing the gun fully. I, I ended up racking off around real quick and I was behind the bird. So I swung out a little bit farther, led the bead out in front, pulled the trigger, click. What do you know? Guns jammed again. Great job, Cliff. You uh, brought the shells that jam your gun and that's what you're shooting for the day. And look what happened. Happened again. Your gun's jammed. So again, few more choice words and yeah gun jammed so what can i say but if the gun didn't jam i know i probably would have got it right yeah exactly always it's always i would have should have could have but anyways i actually i should have just stuck with the pump gun because it was working properly and even if i could have just loaded the two shells and didn't know how to get the third one into the magazine tube i would have gotten a second shot off no problem at that bird but it's all hearsay. It is what it is. It's a good laugh. And it's just, it's a moment when I think back about my upland hunts. That's one that sticks out and I just get a good crack about now these days. So yeah, there's uh, some experiences of having guns jamming in the field and costing birds. So my theory on why my gun jams with these shells is I think they don't have enough powder in them or the powder doesn't burn hot enough to give enough recoil in the gun to fully kick it out in the inertia driven system obviously that's just my theory i can't prove it 100 percent, but it's just what i'm thinking and i still bust my dad's balls to to it this day about those shells he gave me so moving on from issues with guns i've had definitely my share of dogs not doing things correctly, me mishandling dogs, and just stuff that seems like it falls apart with my dog out in the field. And it's definitely a part of hunting with a dog. You're not always on the same page. Things happen. Dogs don't always work birds perfectly. Dogs run off from time to time. You have to, you know, do corrections in the field. Sometimes you have to overhandle your dog to get it back on track. So just to get into a few of those stories, because I've definitely experienced a few times where things have just fallen apart with my dogs in the field. And I'm going to start with um, my dogs running off on me. It's happened with one dog in particular. She is Ember. She's my little liver and white female Brittany and for the most part she's a really nice working dog for me. She works with me. She wants to hunt with me. She's not a dog that just takes off out of the gate and uh, runs you know four or five hundred yards out in front of me and she's, a, she's just a good dog that works with me in the field. Uh, she's not a boot-looking dog. She's not a dog that just works at my heel all the time. She's just a good foot-hunting dog, and I really enjoy that about her. But there is a couple times where she's got a little bit of a wild hair up her ass and has taken off on me. And one of those times, it was late December in Michigan here. We were grouse hunting, and she was a young dog, 11 months old at the time, a week or two before she turned a year old. 
And my mistake on this was taking a young dog like this that didn't have a whole lot of experience into a spot where I had absolutely no experience at. I didn't know. It was a new spot to us that we were hunting. I was hunting with my buddy Justin Berkeley and his dog. And we started up on top of this cut that dropped down into this big cedar swamp. So we get the dogs out, we start hunting, and I'd had a pretty, up to this point, I'd had a pretty good season with Ember. Uh, she wasn't doing, uh, she wasn't being perfect in the field. You know, she was definitely busting some birds, but she was learning along the way. She was pointing some, she was chasing birds, and she was progressing every time that we were out in the field. And for the most part, she was pretty easy to handle. So outside of this little flub that I'm going to get into, she'd been working really nice for me up, uh, up until this point. So we start out hunting, we drop down this hill, it goes down into this big cedar swamp and there was some snow on the ground. It was cold. Everything was frozen in the swamp. So we had that to our advantage where we could kind of move about where there would maybe be some traditionally there would be water hanging out at. So we had that to our advantage where we could walk on top of stuff that we normally couldn't be able to get through. And we got down in there and man, there was just grouse tracks everywhere. So we started to circle around in the area a little bit. Dogs got a little bit birdie, and then Ember starts running a little bit bigger. She takes off to 150 yards on my GPS, and before you know it, she's hitting 200 yards, and at this point, I'm starting to call her back, do recall on her, and she's just continuing to head in the complete opposite direction from me, and just in a straight line, too. She's not circling. She's not working. She's just running, and if you've familiar with the Northwoods and are used to taking a young dog up there, sometimes things it's easy to get turned around, especially for a dog. Maybe a dog that doesn't have the experience of running a lot in thick woods like that. It, it really, your voice really echoes in these types of situations. So I'm sure she was struggling to pinpoint exactly where I was at and she just kind of yeah, she just basically took off and was like, well, maybe he's over here. I'm just going to head in this direction. And what I think happened is she just started running into birds and bird scent. And there was a lot of other stuff. There was a lot of other tracks from deer, coyotes, all kinds of stuff down in this cedar swamp. And I think she was just having the time of her life, finding bird scent, flushing birds. And she was just hooting and hollering and like, yeah, this is great. I'm having the time of my life. Forget him. I'm just out here finding all kinds of things. And before you know it, she's four, 500, 600 yards from me. So at that point, I was like, man, I got to go. I got to try and run this dog down. So I, I start hauling ass in the direction that she's going. And thank God for a GPS, because if I didn't have a GPS on the dog, I really don't know what I would have done in this situation. And who knows how long it would have taken to got to get the dog back. So I start hoofing it behind in the direction that she went. And if, of course, when you're trying to go through the woods and maneuver, it takes us a lot longer than it takes a dog to go, you know, 20, 30 yards. So I make it 15, 20 steps and my dog has tripled that distance on me. So I would go 20, 30 yards and she would move another 100 yards on me. And then before you know it, she's 700 yards. 800 yards, 900 yards away. 
And at this point in time, you know, that's over a half mile. There's no way that the dog can hear me calling for her. So I gave up trying to call for her. Uh, I just quit yelling because I figured the dog couldn't hear me and I just needed to move, keep moving in her direction and see if I could eventually get her to come back my way or if she circled back and I could catch up with her. So I'm like a half hour into this at this point and the dog is still way out there, not circling back in my direction at all. And she's still gaining ground on me. And it gets a, some things start wandering through your head like, oh my gosh, you know, we're up here in northern Michigan where there's not, you know, jack crap around. You know, it's like when you're up in the woods like that, for a dog to be four, five, six, seven, eight hundred, nine hundred yards away from you, that's a long ways in the woods for a dog to be away from you. So um, things are starting to wander through my mind. Holy crap, I hope. You know, the dog doesn't get jumped by something or get injured, caught in this swamp somehow. And, you know, just just a mix of emotions flooding through my head at this point. So I'm still trying to gain ground at her. And luckily, eventually, she starts to circle back a little bit. She's now coming back to 800 yards, 750, 700. She gets to 600 yards. And I go, man, I wonder if I could start shooting this gun and if she would be able to hear the gunshot and really be able to hone in exactly where the gunshot came from, and maybe that would bring her back to me. So I bang off the gun twice, boom, boom, and here she comes. She actually starts cutting some distance towards me. Now she's back to 500 yards, so I peg off two more rounds. She comes to 400 yards to me, and she's definitely honing in. I can tell the way she's moving. She's zoning in on that gunshot and coming back to me. So my morale is starting to pick up a little bit, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank thank God she's starting to come back. And then for whatever reason, I don't know if she ran back into some more birds or jumped a deer or something, all of a sudden she turns back around and starts beelining it back into the direction that she was just working towards me from. So now she's running straight away again, 600 yards, 700 yards. So I'm like, oh my gosh, the saga continues. I got to keep running and hoofing it through this snow, ice, a little bit of water. And I finally make up a little bit more ground on her, start shooting the gun again. And she starts coming back in my direction, shoot the gun a few more times. And finally, now I get her to like 300 yards. So at this point, I start calling for her, and I was hoping she could hear me at this distance. I'm blowing the whistle. I'm screaming as loud as I can at the top of my lungs, yelling her name, and now she's, I think she's zoned in on me. She finally makes it back to me 200 yards, 150, 100 yards, and what a relief when I finally saw that little dog coming through the woods running towards me, and she just has the biggest smile on her face and I still remember it to this day when she finally popped out of the last little cedar thicket that was uh, closest to me when I finally laid eyes on her and she was just smiling tail wagging she's got a little butt wag when she wags her tail too and she was just out having a good time she's like hey good to see you again what have you been up to this is great I'm having the time of my life there's birds all over in this place we should come back so Finally, when I got the dog back, I was like three or four miles from where I should have been to be able to get back to the truck. So I had to continue walking 
another half mile or so out to a, a road that was on the GPS in front of me because I really didn't want to walk back through this swamp and lowland area that I just walked through, and I didn't want to risk losing the dog in there again. So uh, we hoofed it out to this road. We got back to the road, and, yeah, it was a couple-mile walk by the time it was all over with to get back to the truck. And I remember I, 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 heard, I heard a couple gunshots about halfway back, and I thought that that was probably my buddy shooting to see if I would respond and shoot back. So, yeah, I, sh- I shot the gun back a couple more times. He shot once, and I was like, okay, good. That's it. He, he heard me. He responded again, so I think we're good. I'm just going to keep moving my way back to the truck, finally get back to the truck. And he just looks at me. He's got this little shit-eating grin on his face. He's laughing. He's sitting there with his dog on the tailgate. He's got a bird laying there, and he's like, you guys look like you had a good time. And I was like, yeah, we, we had a little bit of a trek there. Took some time, but finally got the dog back. So that was my first experience with Ember booking it on me and taking off. And it happened again. It's kind of a similar situation, except we were in Montana this time, last September. And the group of us went out in the morning, and we hunted this big grass field that had some strips of brush. I don't know exactly what the plants would have been called or what the trees were, but there were some strips of brush growing throughout the field. And we were working these strips of brush down in hopes of finding some huns and sharp tails. So Ember kicks over to the strip on my left-hand side, and she goes on point. So I work my way over to her. She's standing there steady. I get up to her, and I can just tell kind of by her body language that the birds are probably moving on us. So I release her. We work up together nicely. We go up about 50 yards or so, and a covey of huns takes flight. Nice crossing shot, left to right. I got a good swing on the bird. Dropped the bird on a second shot. She makes the retrieve to me. Everything went great, but as soon as she gave that bird up to me, she was like, I'm gone see you dude and she this little dog took off on me runs straight down this strip and that was it i didn't see her for a while after that she was like there's birds out here and i'm having a damn good time see you later dude so she's taking off down this strip and birds are just pouring out of this strip that we're moving down left and right and i i can't exaggerate the amount of birds that we saw in this field it was unfathomable the amount of sharp tail huns and pheasants all three of them that we were seeing in this spot and ember is just having the time of her life running down this strip busting all these birds out of it and she's at three four five six hundred yards now out in front of us just busting almost all the birds out of this strip that we're trying to work down so i finally i start hoofing it in that direction i pass my buddy justin He's laughing. I'm like, I got to catch my dog, dude. And he's like, I know, I see all the birds taking flight. So I finally, I, I ran her down, finally caught up to her. And she again had that little, you know, shit eating grin on her face like, hey, this is great. What have you been doing, dude? I've been having the time of my life out here. So that was a couple experiences where I've had a dog, you know, just throwing caution to the wind and saying, see you, dude. I'm having fun. I'll meet back up with you at the truck. So it, just my experience with a couple times where dogs did a little, not a middle finger to me, but just went a little wild. We're having a good time out in the field. And 
like I said, Ember's usually pretty good at working with me, but every once in a while like this, she just gets a little wild hair and is like, see you, dude, I'm having fun. See you back at the truck. And it's funny thinking about some of the times where I've had with my dogs, thinking about them where they haven't cooperated right or maybe didn't play a bird exactly right and it, it just didn't work out. The bird was busted or the dog didn't handle properly. And at the time, I just felt, I feel like I can remember thinking back and just being frustrated about the situation, but I can't remember exactly what the situation was or how it played out exactly. I just remember being stuck in the moment of being frustrated. And it's definitely something I'm trying to work on with myself is, you know, we're just out, we're out here to have fun. You know, you're going to have days where the dog isn't spot on. There's going to be times where you're not 100% with your shooting and things are just going to go wrong. And it's funny now when I think back about it, you know, I was so frustrated in the moment, but I can't even tell you exactly what happened or what it was exactly 100% that I was frustrated or, you know, kicking myself about. So just something I'm trying to work on going forward is not always just being so upset in the moment, just it comes with the sport that we play and it's just part of the game. And there's been a few times I can remember where my dogs have, you know, not worked birds properly or handled birds properly. There was one time we had just gotten to Montana and it was a long car ride out there. 20 dogs were in the kennel for 24 hours or more. And we finally get there. I turn my experienced dog, Yeti, loose. He goes up on point in this big grass field that we're working on the side of a hill that's out there. And he ends up breaking point, moves up on me. And I can tell he's working something as he crests over this hill. And I finally catch up. He's on point again. And we get up over this hill. We're going down the back side of it now. And I, he's straight up you know, misplayed the bird. And that was our first bird contact in Montana on this trip. And it, you know, what a great way to start out the trip where the dog mishandles a bird, but it's just, it's just part of the situation, man. So I wasn't too upset about it. Um, I let it slide. It's just, you know, the dog, you know, thought he had it, had the scent right and then lost the scent. And, Things just happen sometimes, like I said, and for, you know, I didn't hold it against him, and the next day, he went out and pointed me a covey of sage grouse, and I shot two birds over top of him for my limited sage grouse, had a fantastic hunt that day, shot a few more sharp tails with him that day as well, so, you know, I can't always hold things like that that go wrong with my dog in the field. And speaking about Yeti, I'll get into a time that I was just starting a field trial with him. And he was 13 months old at the time, and I'd been running him in a couple of NASTRA field trials. And NASTRA is National Shoot to Retrieve Association, and you are braced up with a bracemate, another handler, and another dog, and they plant five birds out in a field, and you have a half-hour time slot to go out with your bracemate and see who can find birds. And you have a judge that follows your dog, so there's two judges in the field, and your dog is judged and critiqued on its field coverage, um, how it points, its steadiness, its intensity on point, its uh, retrieve, and then also if it backs another dog. Those are all things that your dog is graded on and judged on in this game. So I'd been running Yeti, he'd been doing good, pointing his birds, holding his birds, and we'd been having a fun time together. And then all 
I got braced up with another handler and a young, really green short hair. This dog was seven or eight months at the time, and we cut the dogs loose right out the gate. Yeti goes on point like 50 yards from the starting point, nails the first bird, and the young short hair didn't really have the biggest idea of what was going on and so he's got a little bit of bird scent he's birdie he's excited about the situation and he starts circling around yeti while he's on point mind you there's also two judges here there's me and another handler approaching it's a lot of pressure and my dog could not withstand the pressure anymore especially from another dog doing circles around him so he breaks rips the bird and takes it out and that kind of started a trend that unraveled us a little bit. And it was definitely, it wasn't the dog's fault. This was my fault because it exposed a flaw in my training. You know, if you're going to do something, you should be training how you're going to do it, whether it's a field trial or hunting. You should train for the purpose of what you're going to do. And I was just training my dog by myself, running him on birds by himself, getting him steady by just the two of us in the field. And then now all of a sudden you throw in another dog running around my dog, doing circles while he's on point, a couple other judges on quads sitting there. And it's just, it's just a lot of pressure to ask a dog that's really young and doesn't have the experience doing that to stand on point through. So he broke, took the bird out, and like I said, this kind of unraveled us a little bit and kind of started a, a trend of ripping birds and taking birds out. And we went on the rest of that brace. He pointed another bird for me. I don't remember exactly what happened. But a couple weeks later, decided to enter another NASTRA trial with him. And the first brace that day, we go out, and a couple minutes into the brace, Yeti gets birdie, slams into a point, holds point for about 20 seconds, and he's like, Oh yeah, that's right. I don't need to wait for, I don't need to wait for my handler to get up and kick this bird up and shoot it. I can go in and take it out myself. So he breaks point, dives in, rips the bird. And so I'm going, I'm kind of, you know, saying a few nice choice words to myself, but again, wasn't my dog's fault. This was, I fully take a hundred percent ownership for this situation that I put my dog into. Uh, what else would you expect the dog to do if he's used to grabbing birds in this situation? He's going to start ripping birds, and that's exactly what he did again. So I get him to come to me, take the bird from him, give it to the judge, and we move on. And what do you know it? He goes on point again and says, oh, I don't need to stand here and hold this bird. And he goes in and he rips the bird. And in the game of Nastra, if your dog rips or takes two birds out, then you're disqualified from that brace. So what happened now is the judge comes over to me and says, sorry, dude, you're disqualified. I got to take you out of the field. So I pick my dog up. We get on the back of the ATV side by side. And I remember this was at the time one of my more embarrassing moments, having to go past the entire Michigan Nastra region as they drove me from being disqualified in the field. Everybody could totally see what was going on in the field, knew what happened, and then I had to you know, add insult to injury and be driven past everybody. And I felt like you know, the kid that they were all pointing and laughing at obviously wasn't the situation that you know, nobody was you know, pointing and laughing fingers and throwing rotten tomatoes at me, but it was just kind of the feeling that I had at the time, you know, like, hey, look at this newbie again. He thought he could come out here and hang. And I was the newbie that day that thought he could hang. 
and it turns out my dog was ripping birds. So just uh, just a f- funny thing looking back now that happened. Um, you know, it's I find the situation humorous now at this day, and I changed my training around after that to be able to you know, be able to put my dog through a situation like that. And I ended up started to train with a buddy. We started running our dogs more together, training our dogs together. And it really helped steady my dog up with another dog and other handlers and other things and other pressure going on in the field. Got my dog back on track and ended up going out the following summer and putting an amateur championship on my dog in the game of Nastra. So when things fall apart in the field, there's always usually a way to write them and you can learn from your experiences. So just a just a little thing that I experienced with my dog at a young age and we've, you know, we learned from it and grew from it. So yeah, good times. So moving on from that with, you know, dogs not always cooperating 100%, uh, another thing that comes into upland hunting and just hunting in general, and it's definitely part of the risk that we run when we hunt or, you know, it doesn't matter if you're deer hunting, pheasant hunting, any type of hunting itself, you always run the risk of losing an animal, right? You, you hate to say, you hate to say it, you hate to think about it, and it turns your stomach a little bit when it does happen. But I'd be lying if I had said it's never happened to me before. It's absolutely happened. Um, archery hunting, I've lost a couple deer. Uh, pheasant hunting, I've lost a, a bird or two. Grouse hunting, I've lost a bird. It happens, and it's just part of the game, and we have to accept that it's part of the game if we're going to do this, and it's not something we go out and intentionally do. We try to be as spot on as we possibly can and be as efficient in the field as we can from training our dogs to be the best they can be to you know practice our shooting, be proficient with our guns, and know exactly what we're doing, but you know, it happens. Things things happen sometimes, and, you know, sometimes the casualty of the situation is losing a bird or losing some type of game animal. It's unfortunate, but it does happen. So I was pheasant hunting with a group of buddies a couple years ago. We had gone down to this big thing of cattails that ran in the middle of the field, and my dog worked down to the edge of it. He goes in, dives in, goes on point, I get up there and a rooster takes flight out of the middle of these cattails and I can't remember if I shot once and hit the bird or if I shot twice and hit the bird on the second shot exactly what happened but I ended up hitting the bird and I knew that I did not get the best hit on this bird. So I immediately start heading in the direction where the bird went down, calling the dog over there because I knew we had to get on this bird right away if we wanted our best opportunity to recover it and we get over there look around look 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 can't find anything the dog is showing no signs of there being a bird there and all i ended up finding was just a tiny little plotch of blood on one of the cattails and we we looked for a good half hour in this spot and my buddy brought his dog over and we all circled around in this area really well. We gave the, the dogs a good opportunity to search over well and see if they picked up any scent and they couldn't find anything. So I don't know what happened with this bird, whether it just hunkered down and buried itself into a clump of grass or a clump of something because usually what happens is one of two things, right? When you have a a bird that's not hit and dies on the fall, it's either going to run on you 
or it's going to hit the ground and try and bury itself into something. And I almost lean towards it burying itself down really deep into something because the dog circled the area and showed absolutely no sign of picking up any scent from where a bird might have ran or trailed out of there. But we circled the area, we did a little bit of a grid search and just came up empty handed on this bird. And then we even came back that afternoon and looked again, looked, 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 and again, the bird or the, the dogs couldn't turn anything up regarding with the bird. So I was thinking maybe if we came back later that if the bird got up and left a trail behind of where it went, maybe the dogs would be able to kick it up and we'd find it. But again, no such luck. Absolutely no idea where this bird went, what happened to it. All is, all I know is that we unfortunately didn't recover it. Um, it still, you know, churns my stomach a little bit, makes me sick thinking about not being able to recover an animal. But yeah, it does happen. It sucks. Sucks bad when it happens, but it definitely happens. There was a time when I was grouse hunting up north a few years ago. My dog goes on point, and this big thicket of autumn olive, I walk up, bird flushes, I get a good look at it, take a shot, and I saw the bird roll in the air. So I knew I hit it, but I didn't know how well I hit it. And a lot of times grouse aren't like pheasants. If you get a few pellets in the bird, the bird's going to expire pretty fast. So even if it's lightly wounded, there's a good chance you're still going to recover the bird with a grouse. But for some reason, we got over there, and again, we just had no sign of this bird ever existing. The dog couldn't find any scent. We couldn't pick up anything or a trail on this bird. So again, I don't know if it hunkered down into something or it just trailed off on us. But yeah, we never recovered that one either. I think it's happened another time or two where we didn't recover something, and it always sucks. It always sucks when you can't recover something, especially when it comes to wild game and you have an, an opportunity at it. Um, as far as missed goes birds, I've absolutely had my fair share of misses, epic misses. Um, I can't think of all of them off the top of my head or the biggest ones that even stick out. Uh, I just know that I've missed definitely my fair share of birds. There was one time... Um, a couple years ago in November, beginning of November, I was really close to my five bird limit of grouse. I had four birds in the bag for that day. And I was like, man, this, this is going to happen. We still have some time to hunt and we we're running into birds still. My dog was pointing birds and I just got inside my own head and was just thinking about getting that fifth bird. And I couldn't capitalize on any of the shooting opportunities that I had after that because I was just focused on thinking about getting that fifth bird that I was thinking too much about it and I ended up missing all the opportunities that I had on another four or five grouse there was one in particular I remember my dog goes on point I circle out in front and I see the grouse pop up on a log and I'm looking at this bird. It's directly between the dog and I. And I'm going, oh, dude, this is it. Like, this is game over. Wait till the boys back at camp hear about this one. Like, this is it. This is the bird right here. This is my five bird limit right here as I'm staring at it on this log that it just hopped up onto. So I take another step, break a stick. The bird takes flight. Poof, and I just thought about it too much. Couldn't get out in front of the bird properly. 
swung behind it, shot twice, missed it both times, and the bird was gone. And that seems to be kind of a common trend with me. When I think about the shot too much, that's when I seem to miss. When I don't think about it and natural instincts kick in, that's when I make my best shots. But when I think about it, if I have the slightest opportunity to kind of think about it, it I, bl- I blow it every single time. There was a time last fall. See, now that I'm starting to think about these things, they're starting to, the memories are flooding back a little bit more. So there was a time last October, I was hunting with my young dog, Aspen. She was like 11 months old at the time. Took her out in the grouse woods for her, I don't know if it was her second or third run that I had with her. Anyways, she goes on point on the edge of this two track and I walk up to her. She's holding steady, looks nice. And all of a sudden I see a grouse pop its head up beneath a little pile of brush. And then he stands up fully and he's looking at me and the dog. And I'm going, oh, dude, you are, this is so, this is going to be a piece of cheese. Like I've, I've got this, this is birds grabbing the worm on this one, boys. So bird takes flight. And again, here I am, bam, bam, shooting behind it again. Two times in a row, bird flies off, and that was the end of that. So a few of more epic misses that I've had. Definitely missed my fair share of birds over the years, and it's just part of the game. It happens. I guess I will. I'll take a miss any day than a bad hit on a bird and end up losing that bird. So I'll, I can say that I'm happy I miss a lot of birds clean and don't end up wounding them because... I would absolutely take a miss over a wounded bird any day of the week. So, yeah, cheers to all that, guys. And I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope it was uh, some fun things to listen to. Hope you're getting excited for bird season. It's coming up fast. Get out there with your dogs. Get ready. The dogs and I are certainly starting to get ready. I haven't done a whole lot of bird work with the birds, or I'm sorry, with the dogs yet this summer. I've just started to get them to start on conditioning, roading my dogs, and yeah, we're just starting to get back into the swing of it now. I picked up uh, 50 quail the other day, and we've got another 15 quail that I've already had from keeping over the year. So we've got like 70, 70 birds, something like that right now that I'll be using coming up here in a couple weeks once we get a little bit closer to season and yeah start training the dogs get them steadied up get them all tuned in ready to go for the season I'm excited hope you guys are too thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again here soon on bird talk